Okay, so today we are in part 14, and we are looking at Proverbs, thank you, 16. Um, before we read the text, the opening question we have it in our outline, and the question is, how do you handle gossip? How do you handle gossip? Do we all have the outline? If you don't have the outline, can you wait to me? I don't have the outline. Okay, we all have the outline. How do you handle gossip? Who wants to go? How do you handle gossip? Oh, I'm really excited when I hear gossip. <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm the number one chief tail bearer. <laughs> okay, Elizabeth, tell us. I ignore. You ignore it. Okay. That's how you handle gossip. Who else? How do you handle gossip? She says, uh-oh. Okay, there's another hand there. How do you handle gossip? You walk away. You walk away from... Is it, is it only the younger ones that have experienced gossip? <laughs> I need some adult experience. How do you handle gossip? How do you handle gossip? You ignore it, you walk away. Yeah, I mean, how else would you handle gossip? Yes. Good evening, sir. Good evening. I seem to pretend to be uninterested. So if the person is talking, I just keep saying, hmm, hmm. Mm. So by the time they see that, ah, she's not even saying anything, they just walk away. They just walk away. But by saying, mm, <laughs> is that not acknowledging what you are saying? <laughs> you know, the scripture says that the, the, the countenance, your countenance can chase away a tailbearer. You know, how you, when you bring the gossip, how you look. Okay, um, is there Anna at the back? Over there. Okay, so how do you handle gossip? Yeah. Okay, by having the direction of the Holy Ghost. What did he say? Something Holy Ghost. Holy. Eh? Holy Spirit, sorry. You use the Holy Spirit. Is it, is it, is it, you call down fire or, or what? How, how exactly? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so at this time, Okay, let's hear how. How do you handle gossip? Wait for the mic. Thank you. Yeah. Good evening, Pastor. Good evening. You handle gossip by you keep quiet when they are talking to you so that they will just leave you alone. <laughs> okay. Okay, fine. I mean, so... What about being active instead of being passive and hoping that they get the signal? Some people refuse to get the signal. So what about being active 
you know, we discovered that many people, while they won't gossip, they have itchy ears. They just want to hear the latest gist, you know. What is going on in that person's life? What's your business? What's going on in that person's life? What's, how is it your business? And just mind your business and make progress with your life. Praise the Lord. And in, we say that in God's favorite house, we have zero tolerance for gossip. We, we don't like gossip here. Um, if, if um, we say that if you have something negative, if you've heard or you know something negative, what do you do with it? You hand it up. You hand it up and you leave it there. If you have something positive, what do you do? You spread it around. You spread it around. So if you must gossip, gossip about the good things. If gossip is in your genes, you have to gossip about something. Gossip about the good things. You know, oh, the people that gave their life to Jesus. Talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about it. Oh, the lives that have been changed. Oh, the testimonies that have happened to, in people's lives. Oh, the word of God. Gossip about that. You'll be fine. If you must gossip. The question is, must you gossip? <laughs> Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motive. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. The Lord has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for the day of disaster. The Lord detests the proud. They will surely be punished. Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. When people's lives pleases or please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. Better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. The king speaks with divine wisdom. He must never judge unfairly. The Lord demands accurate skills and balances. He sets the standards for fairness. A king detests wrongdoing, for his rule is built on justice. The king is pleased with words from righteous lips. He loves those who speak honestly. The anger of the king is a deadly threat. The wise will try to appease it. When the king smiles, there is life. His favor refreshes like a spring rain. How much better to get wisdom than gold and judgment than silver. The path of the virtuous leads away from evil. Whoever follows the path, that path is safe. 
pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Better to live humbly with the poor than to share the plunder with the proud. Those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful. The wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. Discretion is a life-giving fountain to those who possess it. But discipline is wasted on fools. From a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. King, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. It is good for workers to have a, an appetite an empty stomach drives them on. Squandrels treat, create trouble. Their words are a destructive blaze. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Violent people mislead their companions, leading them down a harmful path. With narrowed eye, people plot evil. With a smirk, they plan their mischief. Gray air is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than conquer a city. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. The Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his words in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Proverbs 16 teaches us largely, mainly about Christ, life, and leadership. There's a lot in Proverbs 16 that Obviously, we cannot exhaust today, but we will zoom in on the part of these three areas. It teaches us about Christ, about life, and about leadership. About Christ. Verse 6 says... Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. Doesn't that just remind you about Jesus? Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. The NCV translation says, Love and truth bring forgiveness of sin. Love and truth brings forgiveness of sin. You know, it's, it's not only love and it's not 
only truth. It's not only grace. And it's not only truth. Grace, love, unfailing love, same thing. And it's not only truth. And attraction says faithfulness. Same thing. So, for there to be salvation, there has to be grace and truth. There has to be grace and truth. Some people, some Christians, or some well, people in, in the church, capital C church, are tilted heavily towards truth. Towards truth. And they say, you know, um, thou hast done this, so thou must do that. Or pay this price. Truth, nonetheless. Some tilt more towards grace, ignoring truth, saying, well, the grace of God is available for us. So the grace of God is available for us. However, when you look at the person of Jesus, you will see a totality of grace and truth not a balance of grace and truth. And I'll explain that. John 1, 14. John 1, 14 says to us that, And the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. So, Alexander says that Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. So, Jesus was not a balance of grace and truth. Some people want a balance. They say, okay, you know what? You give them small truth, you give them small grace. Then, after they have small grace, then you need to give them some small truth. And we are struggling for balance. But Jesus didn't have a balance. Jesus had the fullness of truth and the fullness of grace. A classic example is the woman caught in adultery. And they were about to stone her to death. And the people that were stoning, wanted to stone her, they were quoting the law, the truth, as it were, but even though it wasn't complete because where was the man? So, but they were hinging on the truth. And they, want, they were challenging Jesus. So what do you say we do? And Jesus gave the classic answer that of grace, which is, he that doesn't have any sin cast the first stone. And he started writing on the ground. We've done an extensive study on that. And they disappeared one by one. Then he looked at the woman and said what? Go. And sin no more. So there we see an embodiment of grace and truth. Jesus is not 50% grace, 50% truth. Jesus is 100% grace, 100% truth. When he needs to represent truth, is truth 100%. When he needs to represent grace, is grace 100%. And that's what we see in scriptures. And that's what brings salvation. Praise the name of the Lord. 
So that's the first thing that jumps out at us. Second thing in verse 11 of um, Proverbs 16 is that the Lord demands accurate skills. He sets the standard for fairness. And that just shows us clearly Christ again. Christ, I mean, in fact, I saw Christ in everything, almost, almost every verse in the scripture. Maybe we just, because this star just finished, you know, I've seen the cross everywhere, you know. But we'll, we'll look at three, then we'll look at the other aspects. And how does this, how does this show Christ? You see, because we have sinned all our sins, past, present, future, all the sins of humanity, past, present, future, was laid on Jesus. And because God demands accurate skills and balances, is a God of justice and fairness. So the wages of sin is what? Is death. It has to be death. That is the fair measure of the repayment of sin. It must be death. So in Isaiah 53, it says, Surely he, Jesus, had borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we were healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Yet, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So, I mean, classic example of scales and balances. God must be just. And in Christ was the justice of God executed so that we can be free. Praise the name of the Lord. You know when the psalmist says, if you were to mark iniquity, who, who shall stand? Because there's forgiveness with you, therefore we fear you. So in, in, in the Old Testament, the atonement they are talking about, the forgiveness they're talking about is the, the blood of bulls and goats. And it covers their sins. It provides a covering for their sin. Their sin remained and waited for Christ. So by the time Jesus went to the cross, it became the perfect lamb of God that was slain. So he, he now took away their sins and our sins. Praise the name of the Lord. And the justice of God was satisfied. Beautiful. Verse 25 says, there is a path before each person. That seems right, but it ends in death. We talked about this last week, right? In, in, in a similar way. You know, everybody here has a path that appears okay. It appears okay. It makes sense. It's logical. You know, you do this, you do that. You go this way, you go that way. God is saying it's death that is waiting at the end. But that is not the focus. The focus is this. is Christ. And it means that there are People that feel that there are different ways to God. My dad, I mean, was one of them. He would sit me down and he would explain to me 
that heaven is like a market. Heaven is like a market. That there are many routes into a market. You know, markets in those, the concept of big markets is not like shop rights that you have one gate that has markets. You know, when an, old, when an old man or an old person telling you about markets, talking about a, an open space that people gather to barter, to trade, and you can access it from any angle. On Have you heard that before? So it's, it's a typical um, paradigm, you know. But Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, except by me. So there may be other ways that seem right, that seem logical, but it all leads to death. It's only in the name of Jesus that we can be saved. There's no other name given among men by which we can be saved. And we can take all these scriptures and, and see Christ, 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 Christ. But we'll go on. The second bit is life. Proverbs 16 teaches us about life. But before we go to life, do we have any questions on Christ? Do you have any questions so far on Proverbs 16 teaching us about Christ? Okay. Since there are no questions, life. 18 says, I'm going to read 18 and 5 and 4. It says, says, pride goes before destruction, utterness before a fall. The Lord Detest the proud, they will surely be punished. The Lord has made everything. You see, you, you, you know, pride goes before a fall because that's how God has set it up. If you put yourself forward, you're arrogant, you're setting yourself up for a fall. And, and, and God is saying, the proud will surely be punished. Now, if God says the proud will surely be punished, that means that sometimes when we look at the proud, we think they, they will never be punished. You know, in fact, we feel we are wasting our time following God because we are like, it's as if all these arrogant people, men and women, they are just doing anything they like. They subvert justice and they do whatever they like and it's as if nothing is happening to them. And sometimes you're like, what? Am I suffering myself? Because, I mean, if you look at it in that context, you would think following God is suffering yourself. And God is assuring us here. He's saying, the Lord has made everything for his own purposes. Even the wicked, the proud, the foolish, for a day of what? Of disaster. Unfortunately, that's what's going to happen. You know, it's not for us to rejoice because people are going to face disaster, no. But it gives us perspective that everything will be rewarded. You know, the psalmist, I think in Psalm 73, was saying that 
that he almost backslid when he saw the prosperity of the, of, of the wicked. He saw proud men make, they are wealthy, they have biggest houses, the biggest cars, the finest babes, and, and it's like, what am I doing? He says he almost backslid. He says, but the, the, what saved him was that he went into God's temple, came to church like a day like this, and he heard that, oh, wow, there is an end after all. After all, there's an end. Hallelujah. Verse 2 says, people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines the motives. You know, most people give themselves a pass mark. Most people are very righteous in their own eyes. They say, after all, I'm not a pastor. I'm not as bad as some people. Some people I know, uh, they tell their husbands, you think you, think you married a bad wife? Ha, ha, ha. You've not seen Pepe. You see, if you, let me show you, let me show you, let me show you. This person, see what, see what a woman is capable of doing. You are married to a saint. <laughs> we give ourselves pass back. But the lesson here is that regardless of the mark you give yourself, God is checking your heart. So it is a hard work. Christianity is not about shouting in tongues and singing and dancing. All those are good forms of worship. Christianity is about the heart. It is, a, it is the heart work. So while everybody is marking their own scripts, while everybody is tooting their own horn and blowing their own trumpet and, and saying that, oh, you know, I'm a good husband, I'm a good wife, I'm a good student, I'm a good this, I'm a good that. While everybody is doing that, God is what? He's checking the heart. He's checking the heart. You may do an excellent work at, at work, job at work, and you expect that you deserve accolade, and you probably will get accolade, but God is what? He's checking the heart. He's checking your heart. He's checking the heart. You know, when we were in um, university, mostly in university, this happens. <laughs> when when you do an exam and you get 98%. You get an A, you know, and you are coming out of the faculty and you bump into your friends and they say, oh, have you seen your score? You know, oh, you say, oh, I got an A that course. You know, you say it with, um, you know, a little bit of, you know. <laughs> now, if it's the other way around, you check the result. It is a... Maybe C, or D, or E, or... <laughs> and you meet your friend on the way. You blame the lecturer. Don't mind that man. He gave me. He gave me an. Can he give me? I can't give me a D. 
I don't even know what I'm talking about. It is the lecturer that gave you a D. You did, I have a, I mean, what, what's that? How can you give me a D? After all, I, I solved those, that lie. That D you get. <laughs> and many, so, so that's, that's how it is. That's what the scripture is saying. That many times we give ourselves pass mark. But don't worry. God is saying you are not going to mark your own paper. Your exam, your life is not going to be, you are not going to be the, um, the student and, and the examiner at the same time. God is checking the heart. You serve, you clean, you do what? You usher, whatever you do. You do it well, you don't do it well. The key thing is, God is what? He's checking the heart. God is checking the heart. People are usually pure in their own eyes. Pure in their own eyes. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. That's why you don't understand. Mm. Okay. But God is seeing your heart. Praise the Lord. Verse 3 says, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. And 9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines the steps. Many are the devices of the hearts of man. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. So you can plan, you can strategize, it's fine. But guess what? It is God's plan that we stand. It is God's plan that we stand. I pray God's plan will stand in your life and my life in Jesus' name. It is God's plan that we stand. Many times in life, we plan, we think it's about our plan. But if you live life long enough, you discover that the plan is just what it is. It's a plan. And it's good to have a plan. I like what um, I think Mike Tyson said. He said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> they were asking him about, about boxing strategy. That when you enter the ring, you have, what is your strategy? What was your plan for your opponent? You know, just like golf. You, everybody has a plan until your first t-shirt enters the bush. <laughs> then all your plans goes off. You're just, like, just trying to gather yourself together. Everybody has a plan until, until they punch you in the face. When they punch you in the face, you're seeing stars. The plan will vaporize. <laughs> so what am I saying? I'm saying the key to life is to keep your plans flexible. Keep your plans flexible. And that's what God is saying. Keep your plans flexible. You can't say, this is what I want to go. Oh, I'm going to go like this. I'm going to go like that. When God, when God allows you to, to see where, then you have to adjust your plan. If you, don't, if you don't keep your plans flexible, you think, oh, my life has come to an end. Oh, I'm finished. Oh, Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrows. Will you get up? 
and re-strategize, my friend. What's that? He said, Pastor, but you know that it's hard. Of course it can be hard. The key to life is you have to remain flexible. If something changes, praise God. Check, has my relationship with Jesus changed? If it hasn't changed, I'm good. I know it's, that it, even the clapping was very sober. Sober clapping. I know it's, it's not a it's tough word, but it's okay. It's the Bible. We're ready to get that now. It's in Proverbs 16. I didn't bring Proverbs 16. We are going chronologically, I mean, sequentially, right? Good. So if you like, let it be a very sober clap. Sober. <laughs> it's okay. The point is this you have to stay flexible. You have to stay flexible. Many are the devices in the heart of man. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that we stand. So, if God takes you through a turn, be flexible. It wasn't part of your plan, but roll with the punches. And everyone that has that disposition in life always comes out on top. Everyone that has that disposition. That, listen, I may not see the big picture, but my father does. I may not know the, 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 the fullness of this maze called life, but my daddy has it figured out. All I need to check is, am I still with him? If I'm with him, I'll be fine. Take it from me. I've seen some twists and turns in life. But I'm fine. And I will be fine. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> oh, yes. The seven says that when people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. I need not, I mean, even stay much on this. This speaks for itself. Verse eight. Better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. How much better to get wisdom than gold a, and good judgment than silver? So he's saying that, look, it's if, you, if you have someone that is rich and dishonest and you have a friend, two friends, rich and dishonest, then another one he doesn't, is poor but godly. Who should you be closer to? That's what the Bible says. It doesn't mean you cannot be rich and godly. It just means that sometimes life presents these two options before you. So values are better than material possessions. That's what we have been told here, that values are better than material possessions. A good name is better than silver and gold. Okay, so Proverbs 16 teaches us about Christ, about life, and about, number three, leadership. Leadership. Um, 
Let's just dive into that number. Verse 10. It says that the king speaks with divine wisdom. He must never judge unfairly. In other words, those in leadership, I believe everyone is a leader in some capacity. So, you have to operate with divine wisdom. And when you are in leadership over your house, over your children, over your life, over your career, over your department, over your business, whatever it is, you have to operate with divine wisdom. Leadership, when a leader speaks in that sphere, is speaking as the oracle of God. That's what the Bible says. In 1 Peter 5, I think, 10, it says, he that speaks should speak as what? As God's oracle. God's oracle means it's a, um, a mouth of God, speaking as if God is speaking. Wow, that is huge responsibility. So, which is why when a father is speaking over his children, he's, he's, he's speaking as God. It's huge. Or a mother is speaking over her children. She's speaking as God. As God. Why? It's, that's how God has made it. It's not, they're not God, but that's the authority God has, has bestowed upon leadership. It's huge. So, because of this, a leader must never judge unfairly. Two children done something. Maybe there, there's a conflict. And you look at it, and because you prefer one child over the other, you pass judgment. You are undermining your spiritual authority. Also, church, spiritual leadership. If you see a situation and you don't call it fairly, you are undermining your spiritual authority. You must call things as they are. It's huge um, leadership principle. The voice translation of verse 10 says, the king makes a decision under divine inspiration. It says, but he must never, I say never, he must never render an unfair judgment. Never. Verse 12. A king detests wrongdoing for his rule is built on justice. Now, not only must the king or the leader, if you see the word king there, you can put leader and leader in different contexts. Not only must the king be just and fair, the king must detest wrongdoing. For his rule is built on what? On justice. The NCV puts it in, in a clearer way. It says, because governments only continue if they are fair. Every unfair government will crumble. It's just a function of time. And check history. Every nation that have had consistently unfair government, it, it usually crumbles. But the sad thing is that 
in, in, in Africa is usually succeeded by another unfair government, you know, and another unfair government, you know, and God will deliver us from that cycle in Jesus' name. But as a leader, every time you don't detest wrongdoing, there's an unfair treatment under your roof, under your influence, and you don't deal with it fairly, guess what? You are undermining your, your, your strength is weakening because your government only continues if you are fair. It's huge. Verse 13, another leadership learning. says, the king is pleased with words from righteous lips. He loves those who speak honestly. So he doesn't only must detest the negative, he must love the positive. You must detest lying lips. You must detest it. Leaders must detest liars. Leaders must detest liars. Why do people lie? Why do people lie? Why do people lie to leaders? Why do people lie? Yes, sir? Did you say something? Can you pull up your hand? Why do people lie? There's a, there's a hand there. There's a hand there. Why do people lie? Good evening, sir. Good evening. Uh, fear. Fear of being found out. Of fear, fear of fear. being found out. People lie because out of fear. Now, you're out of, out of fear, you lie, and you're being found out. It's worse, isn't it? But it's foolishness. Yes. One, yes. Praise God. He has said what I wanted to say. Uh, okay. He has said what you wanted to say. That's why people lie. People lie because he has said what you wanted to say. <laughs> I wanted to say people lie because of I fear. I know. <laughs> ah, can't you take a joke? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Why do people lie? People lie because they want to cover up mistakes or yes, that is embarrassing lying. Okay, because moments. they are embarrassed. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. Um, yes, sir. Why do people lie? Anyone are getting um, my thoughts? Yes. People lie because they want to gain an advantage. Because they want advantage. to gain an advantage. They want to gain. There's something that they want to get ahead of. So they lie so that they, they, they look better than they are. And so that, yeah. Okay, yes, sir. You said what you wanted to say. <laughs> okay. What People we... lie for self-gratification. So they just love it. It gives them joy just to lie. I just finished lying. <laughs> that feels good. They are po- that person is possessed. It needs to be delivered from the, from the father of lies, which is the devil. So we take that young man over there. That young man over there. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, yeah then we... Good evening, Pastor. Hi. Some people lie because... They think that they can't be trusted, so they just lie to cover up what they've done that's wrong. Because they can't be trusted anyway, so nobody trusts me, so I can continue to lie. Anyway, so leaders must detest liars. If you don't, it crumbles your organization and your influence. You have to detest liars. 
except you're a liar yourself. Then you're in good company. <laughs> but, I mean, verse 14. The anger of the king is a deadly threat. The wise will try to appease it. I mean, this is a very interesting situation. The anger of the king, those in leadership, because they have leadership, they have authority, they have power, you know, it's, it's when they are upset, you don't want to get them upset. So the Bible says that if you are wise, you don't get someone in authority that has power, has authority, upset, you know. But so the question now is that what is the difference between being wise and sucking up? What's the difference between being wise and sucking up? The Bible says that if you are wise, you will not anger the king because his anger is a deadly threat. So, you have to be wise. Don't anger the king. But you don't want to suck up because that is usually clouded in hypocrisy. So, what's have I answered it? <laughs> What's the difference? Okay, anybody who wants to go? I'm sure this is too complex for the young ones. Ah, ah there's one over there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nothing is complex for Elizabeth. Let's have it. The difference between being wise and sucking up is when you're being wise, you're being truthful. But when you're sucking up, you're just doing it to make the person happy. Eye service. Okay. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. You're truthful. You're wise. When you're sucking up, you're just, you know. Verse 15. When kings... When the king smiles, there is life. His, the, his favor refreshes like a spring. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge leadership lesson. As, the, as leaders, as parents, as, as, as departmentalists, as business owners, as whatever capacity of leadership you are in, you regulate the... Um, The, the countenance of your, of your sphere of influence. When, if you have a, a daddy that is always angry when he comes back from work, let's say everybody is playing already. As soon as daddy enters the house, what happens? A wave of fear and, and, and everything just dies. He hasn't said anything. He hasn't fought with anybody. But what? The aura he carries kills all the joy. It's huge. So as leaders, if you have an issue, that's why you need to know God yourself. Sort it out with God yourself. So by the time you show up, you are showing up with life. It's huge because you can't, you can't pour your frustration on your children. You, you, you can't. If you do, 
It's an abuse. You can't, because you're frustrated, you lash out on your children or you, or you always make them unhappy because you are an immature leader. So you need to watch your countenance. When daddy is joyful and playful and comes into the house, what happens to the house? Everywhere lights up. You know? Everywhere lights up. Verse 26, quickly. It is good for workers to have an appetite. An empty stomach drives them on. <laughs> you know, it's good for workers to be hungry. They will work harder when they are hungry. <laughs> to, to, it's, it's, it's basically straightforward, but to, to, to explain it further, let's look at another translation that says that the appetite of laborers work for them. Their hunger drives them on. What this means is that in life, it's good to, to, to hunger for something. That your hunger for that thing drives you to be better. But if you are complacent in life, you are not hungry for anything. You are not going to work hard at achieving anything. In any area of your life, take, if you're a student, you are not hungry for A's. When you see your scores, maybe you are doing nine subjects and you are seeing D, E, 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 D, you know. And it doesn't make, it doesn't do anything to you. That grade is not going to change. If you like pour anointing oil on your answer sheet. Anoint it. After you've answered the questions, anoint it. It's not going to change. It is the desire that you want to see a, 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 that will drive you to work hard, that will drive you to study hard, that will drive you to, and that is how it is, and that's what, what the Bible is saying. The same thing, the same thing with work. Are you okay just being an average person? Or do you want to be the best? Praise the name of the Lord. You know, I was, I was, I was playing golf with some guy that was, <laughs> that has been, he said to me that he's been playing for about 16 years. <laughs> and his handicap is 25. You know, if you know golf, that is a pretty fat handicap, you know. And he asked me, how long have I been playing? I said, um, I'm going to be, I don't even know how long I've been playing. Three, four years now, three years, four years in August or something, you know. And <laughs> my handicap is less than half of his own. And he's like, ah, how did this happen, you know? I said, I don't know how it happened. But... You know, golf is 18 holes. You can tell a person's character, you know. So in 18 holes, I could tell the guy doesn't care. He doesn't care about anything. You hit the ball in the bush, oh, that one has gone. You know, it's just, <laughs> he 
no, there's no hunger to improve. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't, I don't want to say about some other things. But, but bottom line is, if there's no hunger in any area, whatever it is, you can't improve. You can't. Hunger appears to be something that is painful, right? When you feel it. So is desire. Desire unmet is like a burning, you know, but God is saying it is good if you allow it to drive you to walk towards your goal because you will reach your goal. Praise the Lord. Verse 28. It says, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. You see, you must, you, if, you, if you know anyone that is a gossip, you must separate yourself from them. You must. Gossips have broken marriages. Just gossip. Gossip has, has caused all sorts of problems in communities. Among chief friends, the Bible says, gossip. Have you heard? Once you hear, have you heard? I don't want to know. I said, Pastor, let me give you one odd gossip like this. I said, me? Before I was even a pastor, my countenance, this one of, I'm not asking, you start it, I frown. You continue it, I tell you I'm not interested. Yeah, that's how, that's how I am. I tell you I'm not interested. Years of, way before I became a pastor, I'm not interested. Ah, you don't, you don't, you know what is happening. What is happening where? Where? You make it your preoccupation. That's why your life will not move forward. Your preoccupation to find out what is happening in other people's lives. And it's your job to be saying this and that. The life will not move forward. Say, Pastor, stop cussing us. It's not you. Are you a gossip? <laughs> it's not you. I'm cussing. <laughs> <laughs> the life of the gossip will not progress it's just, a, it's just the truth because the time you spend carrying tales if you invest it in your future your life is going to be so amazingly beautiful <laughs> praise the lord you know, I'm writing a software, and between the last time I checked, I stopped. I got distracted, obviously. I was writing a book, so, you know, and, you know, church, preaching, everything. So I, I, I'm, I'm, going, I'm back to writing the software now, and the technologies have changed so much. And I have to relearn the new technologies to be able to continue my code because... I don't, so is it me that I don't have time to sit down and be gisting about what is happening in Lagbaja's life? 
that half of it is not true. I just don't have the time. And, and I play golf. Golf takes a lot of time. Okay, so pastor, what about if we gossip during golf? <laughs> you will play poorly. <laughs> you have a good game. So what does that mean? There's no time. Listen. If you take gossip time and use it to even for personal development, instead of gossiping, I will develop myself. Your life will change. Totally. Finally. Verse 32. Better to be patient than powerful. <laughs> Better to have self-control that conquer a city. If you look at that scripture, you, re, you may, uh, if you, on the surface, you may not really get what, what it's saying. You see, better to be patient than to be powerful. You see, the patient person is more powerful than the powerful person that is not patient. It's huge. So, if you see someone that is patient, the person is dangerous. You know, you see someone that is patient, very dangerous people, patient. They are patient. And it says, it is better to have self-control than to conquer a city. What he's saying is, the person that can conquer himself is actually stronger than the person that can conquer a city but cannot conquer himself. If you can conquer yourself, you can control your members. Anger does not rule you. The opposite sex does not rule you. You can control when you sleep. If, it's, if, you, if you are not going to eat, you can control your stomach. Some people, the stomach is their God. I must eat even if you finish this drive at nine. When I get home, my apple is waiting for me. I must eat. Eat on. Eat on. And forget your sorrows. The point, the point is this. The scripture is saying, the person that can conquer himself is stronger than the person that just can conquer a city. Because if you can conquer yourself, there's no city you can't take. If you can conquer yourself, there's no city you can't conquer. If you can control yourself, and it's huge. Do you have any questions? Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.